Amen. You can be seated. I want to, this may sound a little bit odd, and in a few moments maybe I I may find out that I have completely missed it, and uh, I will dismiss you, and I'll go down to my office and stand in the mirror, and I'll just teach to me, okay? So, uh, I, I, I want us, I want you to, uh, I, I want to invite you to, this, I feel a little goofy saying this this way, because this, this term is another one of those terms that has gotten so overused. But I, I want to invite you to, I believe for the next several weeks, and some of you will be in financial peace, and, uh, so you'll have to watch it archived. But, I, I want to go on a journey, and I, I'm inviting you to come with me, and uh, let, let's see if we can go somewhere. Let me let me let me let me ask it. Let me let me let me start off this way. Um, I haven't been up here for a while on Thursday night, so y'all may have to be patient while I make up for lost time a little bit. Just kidding. I don't. Let me see if I can get one of these. All these very excitable children, when you put them on the spot, become very shy. How about Theodore? Help me. You think he? You think he? Or would he? Uh... No, I mean Evan. Sorry, Evan. I meant Evan. Sorry. Hey, Evan, come see me for a minute. There we go. <laughs> He ran up on the platform before church started to give me a hug and made my day, made my night. How are you? Good. You, I like you too. <laughs> I, got a, I got a question, Sister Christina. If you want to preach? Okay. Okay, yeah. If he just took off right now running prior to this, would you just sit there and just let him go? No? You want to take off running? <laughs> we, we might not better do that. You'll steal my microphone, are you? No. If he, just, if he just ran off, I mean, he just walked out the aisle and took off running, she, I, is your husband helping with sound? Is that, yeah. Brother Rafter's helping with sound. If he was in here, one of the two of them, you can't cover up my mic, then they can't hear me. You don't want them to hear me? I picked the right one. <laughs> we'll be here a long time if you don't let me use the mic. There we go. <laughs> she would not let him do that. I know maybe some of you parents are of the uh, Dr. Spock school and just let them run loose and do whatever they want to do but if if this guy just i mean if he just took off all over the place she would do her best to quickly try to get him all right you can go back to your mom i know you don't want to do that but how about how about this yeah there you go i i i got it we got we got Ushers on duty. We got several other brethren that 
unofficially, I'm aware of that that they 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 don't have an official. They're not officially an usher, but during a service, they've got their eyes open, their feelers out, and and if if I mean if three or four people just strangers shot through the door right now, running all over the place. <laughs> brother brother Vernell back, he said, this is what he said, if you didn't hear, not going to happen. <laughs> There's several of you that never played football in your life that would instantly become professional tacklers. And you would chase that person down until you captured them. You would, these ushers and several other men would not just let someone run free in here. Why is it, and here's what we're about to find out if I need to dismiss you and go teach myself. So, if you're ready to go, then you may just be silent and you'll get out of here. Why is it a mother wouldn't let her child just take off running freely, but would seek to, would, would pursue capturing him? Why is it that these ushers would not let a bunch of guys just, uh, and not even strangers, I mean if three or four of y'all just decided right now, a couple of these other kids just decided right now to get up and just start running all over this place, they would as quickly as possible restore order. Why is it we do that in that situation and many other similar type or or different, but the principle applies, but yet we allow in our minds thoughts to run all over the place as much as they... I guess I'm not going to teach myself. We allow them to run rampant in our minds. We let them go crazy all over the place. The, a very simple, trivial, unimportant example. <laughs> there are all kinds of noises in your house throughout the day. There are all kinds of squeaks and creaks in your house throughout the day that you never one time second guess. Can you switch iPad on, please. Not You never second guess. But you lay there in the middle of the night and hear a sound that happens all day long that you never think twice about it, but it happens then and suddenly... <laughs> you have, you, you're planning your funeral. You're planning your funeral because the worst serial killer of all time is in your house. Making his way to your room. 
For those of you that are fortunate enough to be married to all the ladies, you are so blessed. What? Did you hear that? Hear what? I'm sound asleep. You had to wake me up. There's the answer to your question. And then what is implied without having to say any more? I don't really care if you heard it. And I don't care if I imagined it. Go look. I can't, I, I've lost count of how many times I've had to do that in 25 years of marriage. And what I still to this day don't understand is, I get up the middle of the night because she heard something, and the implication is something that sounds like somebody may be in the house. Here I go walking around completely unarmed, no weapon. I guess that's a demonstration of faith, that I'm not going to find anything. But I, 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 there have there been my own share of times when I heard something, and I finally, for my own sake, got out of the bed and went to look, because until I went to look, I wasn't getting any more sleep. We had, uh, I, I was, uh, I was, I was about, I think I was in my mid-teens. Actually, I was a little bit more than mid-teens. I think I may have been 16 or 17. We lived right across the street. You can see the house from the parking lot when the leaves aren't on the trees. And there was a couple of, uh, young people that got it in their mind to, to do some tormenting of our family. And that was, Back in the days of voice or of answering machines, remember those days of answering machines that you get the beep and then you could stand there and listen while the message played while they left the message. And uh, they they this this group of young people would call and at first they weren't sure who it was and that kind of made it worse. They finally figured it out and I guess that helped a little bit, but. They would, they would call and they would leave messages and they would do it in this really kind of a demonic sounding voice and it would be some of the most vulgar things and threats that you've ever heard. And this went on for several weeks at least. And I reached the point, and this went on then for probably a couple of years, I reached the point that at night, any time the phone rang, I mean just rang, just the first ring, my pulse went crazy, the blood felt like it drained from my body, and I laid there stiff as a board, taken over by fear. A lot of times my dad or mom would answer the phone, and I would hear the conversation begin and realize it's a fine call, it's nothing wrong, it's not these people, and eventually it would subside. But for months, and I, again, I think a couple of years, there, was, there were things that went crazy in my mind. 
I would venture to say that with the majority of us here tonight, the biggest thing that we are struggling with is not circumstances and situations. It's not the issues that are going on. It's not the problems in our life. It's our minds. I am assuming by some of the responses that I have heard over the last few moments that I am not alone. (laughs) About two weeks ago, I felt like the Lord started giving me direction for Thursday nights for the next little while, and I expected to be here last week, and actually I expected to start this last week, and for those of you that were here aware that I wasn't here, and then... Sunday morning, these verses were used in the service here in Arnold. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every child running all over the sanctuary. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Our problem is most of us don't take it captive. We let it run rampant. And one leads to another that leads to another. I, I, these, these verses that I just read to you are some of the primary verses we hear with regards to spiritual warfare. And yet the context of these verses is not about demons and devils. It's about the mind. Because the enemy knows is he can get your mind working against you, that's enough. If he can get your mind, a battle in your mind, he don't even really need the circumstances. He just needs the battle in your mind. And why are we, and I said we, I'm not pointing fingers, because I, I, I said it to my wife, I said it's Sunday night, those of you that were here, I wasn't just saying it to be cute. When, when Brother Shara started preaching Sunday morning, I literally standing in my, in the, in, and I guess, I guess for right now it's my bedroom. It's 
the guest room at my parents' house, but for right now, it's my room. Standing there about 10.30, 11 o'clock Saturday morning, expressing some things to my wife, and then he stood in this pulpit Sunday morning and began to talk about pulling down strongholds. Because I just sat and told her Saturday morning, I am getting so sick and tired of confidence and faith one minute Believing I've got direction from God one minute. And then the next minute, it's completely gone. I'm questioning, I'm doubting, I'm fearing. And the man of God stood in the pulpit Sunday morning and said, Casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And taking captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That means if I've got a thought in my mind that is contrary to the Word of God, I need to be proactive. The problem is we are very passive with our minds. I'm not here tonight teaching, and I'm not the Lord willing the next few weeks... I'm not, this isn't about a bunch of psychobabble. I, I got, I'm using scripture. Not here tonight to communicate and challenge you with the power of positive thinking. Bottom line is there's some of that that ultimately its roots are from the Word of God. It may have now gotten a humanistic twist on it, but there's some of the principles that originated from the Word of God. I've already kind of forgive me for 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 uh, I guess not just boldly proceeding on, but 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 any anybody relate to what I'm saying? Okay, all right. Anybody a little tired of it? The problem is, I know for me, I've spent a lot of time waiting on God to do something. Paul says, you need, I need to cast down imaginations and what exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What, what does that mean? I'm sure there's lots of applications, but in the context of this, let me give you one application of, of, of that, of, of things that are arising against the knowledge of God. Anybody here tonight come help me out, be honest, be transparent. I'm not going to pick on you. You're just going to help the rest of us that won't be too honest right now. Anybody got a situation you're looking at in life that you just are struggling with the outcome of it? How's it going to, what's going to happen? Thank you. Anybody with those situations, the enemy sitting on your shoulder with all of these negative outcomes? All these things that are going to go wrong? That is, that is something that is arising against the knowledge of God. Because the knowledge of God is, Romans 8.28 says, and we know that all things uh see y'all are, y'all think I'm trying to get to a magic solution here 
I'm teaching preaching to me just as much as I am you. So that's what I want, but I can't find it. And bringing every thought into captivity, to the obedience of Christ. So the thoughts that are running rampant in my mind that are questioning and doubting, I need to take them captive to the obedience of Christ and then I need to combat them with the knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God? He will never leave me and He will never forsake me. What is the knowledge of God? If you being evil know how to give good gifts... How much more will your heavenly Father? I don't know about you, but I'm just being transparent with you tonight. I don't find myself doing that very often. I let the negative thoughts just run wild. Then not only do I let them run wild, I have a tendency to kind of feed them. Most of the time, the devil knows if I can just get one thought, If I can just sow the seed of one thought, I can move on. Because you'll take care of the rest for me. (laughs) And again, I I, I tried hard to come up with a really applicable analogy to start off. And I I don't know that what I used was the best one. I think it gets the point across. But we let stuff run rampant through our minds. Why should I, why should we be so quick to fight devils and so constantly avoiding or 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 not being proactive to fight thoughts? I mean, there's some of you right now. If I told you, you know what, we are we are under demonic attack here tonight. I need you to pray. Some of you would rise up right now. Like I mean, you'd be you'd be ready to go. I mean, you you. You'd step into it right now, boy. But you're also sitting here right now and you got all this stuff bombarding your mind. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. The New Living Translation says it this way, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Now, I understand. I, I, I guess you probably could argue the primary application here has to do with, you know, things contrary to doctrine and scripture and all that. But I also think the principle that I'm using it for tonight applies as well. Strongholds of human reasoning, your human reasoning, my human reasoning, Here's, here's, here's the, here's one of the other reasons, one of the many reasons that it's so important for us to do this. Not just so we can be in a good mood. Not just so we can be happy. 
But I don't think we truly grasp, most of us truly grasp, the effect and the power of what happens in our minds. Now, please, I know I'm doing this, but, but mind in the scriptural context is not brain. So I, I, this is kind of how we perceive it. But brain and mind are, are not necessary. In fact, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple definitions here in a few moments of, uh, of, of mind or heart, which can sometimes be used kind of interchangeably. The reason it's also important is, again, not just, you know, so we can be peaceful and calm and enjoy life, but our thoughts produce something. And in fact, everything begins with a thought. Everything begins with a thought. Dr. Martin says, every thought generated in the brain is a seed which must produce its harvest. Thistle or rose, weed or wheat. But every thought will produce. How many, I know, I know at least one here. I'm sure there's several others. How many, how many uh, uh, artists do we have? You, you can draw, paint, whatever. You, you you don't you don't whether it's you're sketching on paper, drawing on paper, or you've got a canvas and you're painting something on there. You 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 don't just let whatever comes out comes unless I guess it's abstract. But I'm not man. This, some of this abstract art that I know, I know I don't want to offend some of you artists and knowledgeable people. But as an uneducated artist, I look at that and I'm like. You make all kinds of money for that? I missed my calling. I can throw some paint on a canvas too. <laughs> but I, I'm talking about a, a, a portrait or, a, or a, a scenic picture. Where do you see it first? Where do you see it first? You see it in your mind. You picture it in your mind. We've got some builders here tonight. We've, we've, we, we've got some people in a variety of, way, of, of, of create or build things in a variety of ways. It starts in your mind. You build, you paint, you create, you design what starts in your mind. And you know what? A lot of us are living lives that are of our own making. Because thoughts that were started in our mind, we never took them captive. And they sowed seeds that produce. Oh, hallelujah. You know what? You, you, I, I know I don't have to tell you this on Thursday night. But being, being a Christian, being a disciple, being however you want to say it, is not about getting a better life here and now. It's just not. 
That's not the ultimate goal. That's not the ultimate focus of God for our lives, making life good now. And so how many people have decided to become a Christian, started off maybe to a degree with some degree of sincerity, but when they continued having problems, they decided, you know what, forget this. So being a Christian, walking with God, being a disciple of Jesus Christ is not about my life all becoming wonderful and problem-free, pain-free. That's not where the distinction is. Oh, Jesus. The distinction between the saved and the unsaved is not our circumstances. What is to be the distinction between the saved and the unsaved is our response to the circumstances. That's where there should be a difference. The unsaved gets the report from the doctor and it's okay. You expect them to panic and be overwhelmed by fear. But as the saved person, that's where there should be a distinction. Yes, my circumstances are the same. But what goes on up here doesn't have to be the same. Some of you tonight are struggling greatly, struggling greatly. And the source of your struggle is up here. Some of you sitting here tonight battling with offense and grudges because you won't take it captive. Let me tell you something. When, When you start seeing things through a filter, you see everything through a filter. I, what was it? I think it was Sunday morning when Brother Sherry used used the story. <laughs> Got through preaching and looked at. I looked over and I I saw several people and I just knew they were talking about me. I just knew they were criticizing my message and finding fault with my message. And he said, "Come to find out, they were talking about me, but they were planning my fortieth party." Some of you have written novels in your head. I mean, you've you've got a series going in your head. Because you started with a, a thought that did not get taken captive, and it now is producing offspring rapidly. You know these verses, but think of them in a little bit different context tonight, if you would. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The saying, the Word, was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Contemporary English version says it this way, In the beginning was the one who is called the Word. The Word was with God and was truly God. From the very beginning, the Word was with God. And with this Word, God created all things. Nothing was made without the Word. Everything that was created. 
Everything that was created was from the Word. And the word here is, the Greek word for word is the word logos. It is the expression of thought. The expression of thought. Your actions, your attitudes are the expression of what starts in your mind. Your behaviors are the result of what starts in your mind. Oh, hallelujah. I, 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 I think I, I need to pause for a moment and practice what I am teaching tonight. Because there's some thoughts that are running rampant up here right now that are challenging me to shut my iPad and dismiss. <laughs> so I, I, need to, uh, I, I, need to, I need to pause. I need to go, let me go kneel down and have a little prayer meeting. Y'all just sit there and wait for me while I take a few things captive here. <laughs> The expression of thought, the root. I mean, have you know this? The root word for logos is lego. A primary verb properly to lay forth. To lay forth. So the word, the logos, the root is lego. It's the building block. So could I say it this way? Your thoughts, my thoughts are the building blocks of what takes place in my life. I cannot control my circumstances. You cannot control your circumstances. What I can control is my attitude and my spirit and my thoughts over the circumstances. That's what I have control of. I can remember when I I spent several years as Brother Humphrey's assistant coach for the high school basketball team. I had a couple of times there I was the head coach and I can remember a couple of times William telling a couple of guys when it seemed it seemed like it probably really wasn't the truth, but it just seemed like a referee had it out for them. And I remember telling them, you you got to make a decision right now. Maybe he does have it out for you. But you've got to decide, are you going to let that get in your head and stay in your head for the rest of the game? Are you going to forget about that, not worry about that, and focus on what you can do? We spend so, we, 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 please notice the pronouns tonight, please. I mean that sincerely. I'm not saying you. I'm not pointing fingers tonight. We spend so much time focused on what we can't change and we totally disregard what we have been given authority and commit our, our command to change. I can't change some of my, some of, yeah, I know there's some circumstances, but you know, I'm talking about the things beyond your control, beyond my control. I cannot change them, but what I can determine is my attitude and my spirit and the thoughts that take place. And just because I don't like the circumstances doesn't mean it has to lead to depression and hopelessness and discouragement, but that's usually where it leads because we can't control the circumstances and we don't control the thoughts. And things begin to get laid forth in our life. And next thing we know, we've built, we've built the life 
because every thought is a seed. I meant to look it up today to make sure I was properly using the reference. I may use this again at some point. I'm Tonight's just kind of, I don't know, I guess some people, they do a series and they map it out all in advance. I don't know how to do that, so. I believe it was Job that said, the thing that I have greatly feared has come upon me. Some of us need to stop pointing fingers at God tonight for what's come upon us and take responsibility that my fear, which is really also faith, negative faith, it's all fear is, is faith. Faith in the bad, my fear. No, I'm not not saying you caused everything in your life. I guess I, I, I probably shouldn't use this reference, I guess, may offend some of you for the carnality, but I would imagine that Cinderella's stepsisters tried hard to make that slipper fit. I mean, I, when, they, when they got wind of what it meant if your foot fit in that slipper, I'm I guarantee you they I guarantee you boy they were they were pushing and shoving and, and and oh yeah it fits me That's what some of y'all do when the preacher preaches I I'm, I'm going to give you the opposite tonight usually uh, brother Sherrod, I think alluded to it Sunday I, I you know sometimes I get up and preach I, I, everybody put your shovels away Don't be shoveling everything off on somebody else. I'm going to tell you the opposite tonight. If the slipper don't fit, then just let it go. Instead of trying to shove it on and hurting your foot and then getting mad at me because you put on somebody else's shoe. No, I'm not saying every person here tonight is you have caused every situation. So if it don't fit, don't put it on. But there's a few Cinderella's tonight that need to put the slipper on because your faith is causing some chaos and confusion because the same principle that we use for the positive, I believe, therefore have I spoken, works for the negative when you speak. Oh, hallelujah. (laughs) Proverbs 23 and 6. Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye, neither desire thou his dainty meats. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. What it's saying is, he's telling you, take whatever you want. You ever had, you know, some, oh, go ahead, take it. And you take it, and they're like, it's kind of like that last piece of bread on the table. You, you, if you got manners, you don't just take it. If you got manners, you say, with certain hopes of the answer, you say, does uh, anybody else want that last piece? I mean, if you're at the table, here's the interpretation of the tongues. 
When that question is asked, what they're saying is, can I have that? Don't be that person. That, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> he, he's saying, he, he says, sure, go ahead and eat my bread, take it. But really what's in his heart is going to come out. And if in his heart he's really begrudgingly giving, that's ultimately what's going to come out. Because as a man thinks in his heart, that's what he is. We got to get our hearts right, folks, for a lot of different reasons. In the context of tonight, we got to get it right so that the outcomes of our lives can be what God wants them to be. And to a certain extent, to a certain extent, what we hope them to be. I don't think it's God's will for my life to be complete misery. I know we're not, I'm sure we're not the only family here tonight that has done this. I've adapted it from my parents, and you've probably done the same thing, some of you in your family. We've used the phrase for decades now, especially if we're on vacation and things are going wrong. We'll say, well, we're making memories. We're making memories. We can, we can get upset, we can get frustrated, we can get angry and let it completely ruin the moment. Or we can say, you know what, we're making memories. And we can just get through this in a couple of days or weeks or months from now, we are going to laugh all about this. I, I, I look back, I look back as a parent, I look back as a spouse, and I look back in other circumstances where there are moments in my life that I absolutely, completely wasted great opportunities because I allowed circumstances to get control of my mind and instead of taking some thoughts captive and then taking control of the, of the situation and not letting it completely control me, I just gave up. As he thinketh in his heart. Listen to what this word Thinketh means. I find this to be a very interesting word. Let's go back to the first couple of verses I read to you tonight. Casting down, taking captive every thought. Casting down imaginations, taking captive every thought. That's, that's kind of like being on guard, wouldn't you say? The word thinketh, according to Strong's Concordance, is a primitive root. It means to split or open i.e. to act as gatekeeper. To act as gatekeeper. My thoughts are what gets in. They are the gatekeeper of what I become. Proverbs 4.23 The Hebrew words are not exactly the same Hebrew words as some of these, But the context is the same. Solomon says, guard your heart. Because out of it are the issues of life. Guard your heart because what's in your heart determines your affections. It it determines what you are fond of. It determines what you are drawn to. So guard your heart. Be the gatekeeper of what gets in. The word heart here means... 
a soul, self, life, a creature, a person, an appetite, a mind, a living being, a desire, an emotion, a passion. It means the man himself, a self, a person, or an individual. It is the seat of the appetites, the seat of emotions and passions, the activity of mind, the activity of the will, the activity of the character. So just as mind is not synonymous with brain, heart in this context is not the organ in your chest pumping blood. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I, and you probably can say the same thing, I have been around people that from an outward perspective had every right in the world to be absolutely happy and joyful and pleasure, pleasurable, and they were anything but that. They drove the nice cars, lived in the nice houses, wore the nice clothes, went to the greatest places on vacation, and they were miserable to be around. And I've been around some folks that did not have a whole lot. Life was not that great. They lived in circumstances that were not the choice circumstances. They they dealt with things. They had situations in their family, in their body, in their lives that were anything but enjoyable. And yet they were some of the most pleasurable people to think about or to be around. Why? Because the gatekeeper... Their gatekeeper said, I can't control this, but I can control this. And I can't, I may not be able to change what's going on out here, but I can change how it, or I can determine how it affects me in here. Oh, I, 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 am I the only one? Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm probably just the only one that's been waiting for God to give this magical boing. And suddenly, I've got this sound mind. I know, I know, I know it wasn't in there, but I, I think I could say it this way. You cast down imaginations. You take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. You do it. You do it. He can't do it for you. Put on the helmet of salvation. Put on the helmet of salvation. What's one of the purposes of a helmet? To deflect. <laughs> you know what? You, you, you start throwing rocks at me right now and I'm ducking. I'm covering. If you're out on the golf course, if you hit a if you hit a shot that's heading towards uh, another player somewhere, you're you're supposed to yell for. I, I, I there's something in people's brain that goes wrong in that moment because they yell for and people go. When somebody yells for, the response is. 
and wait for a few moments to make sure danger has passed. But if I've got something to guard, if I've got the helmet of salvation, the enemy can throw all kinds of thoughts my way. But they can't take hold. They can't get in because of the helmet of salvation deflects those thoughts. But it's the same thing with that. Paul said it like this. Put on the whole armor of God. Put it on. You've got to put it on. He does not dress you. He provides what you need, but you've got to use what is available. I, 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 I always try to be transparent. Hopefully that's helpful and not hurtful. If you've got me on a pedestal, then me being transparent is a really good thing because you need to get me off real quick. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm just... I'm, I'm going to be transparent with you. I walked out of here Sunday morning. Yes, sir. Here we go. Sunday night, God moved. God did great things in this place. You got it. Look out, Anne Arundel County. Here we go. Monday, Monday morning. Actually, Monday morning wasn't too bad. My wife and I had another conversation in the bedroom. Yet to know if the man of God was listening to that one too or not. We'll find out. She was struggling. Well, I was, I had some good stuff to say. I was all encouraging and good word. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm taking this stronghold stuff seriously, Sister Gross. I, I, here we go. Monday, Monday afternoon, Monday evening. Evan was in my head. You see here, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm just, I don't even know if you can call this laying a foundation. I'm, I'm kind of hitting scattered, so it's probably not even a foundation. The Lord willing, in the next couple of weeks, He allows me to keep going in this vein. Our problem is, we too many times, our, our effort is just, i got to get rid of the negative thoughts. i got to get rid of the negative thoughts. That's not the focus. Because the Bible tells the story of the, was it the man or woman, I don't remember, that was possessed. Or was it about the house? It was it all was the whole story symbolic? My brain's a little fried. <laughs> Swept it, cleaned it, emptied out, got all the stuff out that was the bad stuff, but nothing good filled the split the space. You see, I wonder if part of the problem of what happens in our lives is Sunday morning it gets all cleared out. Woo! Good message, good move of the Spirit. Holy Ghost touches us. It gets cleaned out. 
but we don't fill it up. Is there any chance the psalmist, whether he really had a conscious understanding or not, had at least had a subconscious understanding when he's talked about things like, I meditate on your word day and night. Why? Because if I'm meditating on your word, I'm not thinking about something else. To my knowledge, it's not possible to think about two things at once. I don't think it is. Some of you probably think you can. But the way I think most brains work, you can only think about one thing. And how many times... When we're thinking about something that's got us worried and depressed, discouraged, how many times is our response? I gotta stop thinking about this. I have got to stop thinking. I have got to stop thinking about, I cannot keep thinking about this. I cannot keep, I cannot keep thinking about what they said to me. I gotta stop thinking about what they said to me. I can't believe what they said to me. How dare they say, who do they think? No, I got it. I've got to stop. I've got to stop. Cast down. Take captive. How do I do that, Brother Wright? Well, probably not really what you want to hear anymore, though I want to hear, but great peace have they that love thy law. Nothing shall offend them. We'll get there one, I believe, one of these times. Brother Barr's quoting it. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on these things. Dwell on these things. I believe it's the prophet Jeremiah. He said, I am a prisoner of hope. I've preached that many times in Sunday morning daughter works. If I'm going to be a prisoner of something, if i got to be a prisoner, I'm at least going to choose what I'm going to be a prisoner of. Rather than being a prisoner of doubt and fear and depression and discouragement and unbelief and anxiety and all of that, if I'm going to be a prisoner of something, I want to be hope's prisoner. I want to live captured by hope because Hebrews says, hope maketh not ashamed. Or was that Romans? The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And hope connected to all of that. We will not be ashamed. I heard heard it said on the, I think it was a radio clip several years ago. They said, this isn't exact numbers, but you get the gist. People that made $25,000 a year say, well, if I could just make $50,000, I'd be happy. And then the people making $50,000 say, well, if I could just make $100,000 a year, I'd be happy. Those making $100,000, if I could just make, you know, $300,000, I'd be happy. See, we always think it's the next thing to make us happy. 
for those of us that have been fortunate enough, I don't know, blessed is the right word, but whatever, because if you haven't, that doesn't mean you're not blessed. But for those of us that have had the opportunity to get a brand new, brand new car, there's really no greater blessing for that new car than the first scratch. Because once you get that first scratch, it's kind of like, okay, it's it's car. Uh, my last vehicle, that Ford Expedition I had, it, it was like within a couple of weeks at the most of getting, I have no idea how it happened, what happened, but right on the driver's door, there was a ding right in the driver's door. Every time I opened the door, My circumstances, my circumstances cannot make me happy. Please understand, I I say that and I feel like that comes across sounding so petty and trivial. I'm not here tonight teaching, ministering just about, you know, so we can be happy. That's not. I I saw this today. You'll have to, hopefully I'll come back to it. And when I do, act like you never heard it before, okay? The Bible says David he comes back from fighting and Ziklag, and they they they've taken all their their they've taken possession, they've taken their family, and they burn. And he says he was he was greatly distressed because the men spake of stoning him. And then it says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, I've I've used that verse preaching before. I mean, that's really kind of one of those things that's kind of fun to sort of preach. Because, I mean, you preach it, you encourage yourself. And, that you know, I mean, that's like you preach to yourself. God's got it in control. God's going to work all this out. God, and I mean, that that's, God's never failed you before. He's never going to fail you now. All that. But you know what? That's, that, to me, I don't know about you, that's kind of what I think of the word encourage. But when you read the definition, and I don't have it tonight, you'll have to trust me until I show you. But when you read the definition, Brother Barr, of the word encourage himself, it is very similar to that word gatekeeper or casting down imaginations and pulling down strongholds. It is very similar. So it really what it implies as I dug into it some is it's not that he sat there and gave himself this nice little pep talk. It actually was that he started taking those thoughts that were warring against him and tormenting him, and he was laying hold, nope, not going there, nope, not letting that, nope, not letting that take over, nope, not going to. It wasn't just this cute little, you got this, David, God's got this. It was more, nope, that's a stronghold, not leaving that. That's a stronghold, not leaving that. That's That's exalting itself against the knowledge of God, not leaving that. We got to get on the offensive, folks. We got to get on the offensive. It, I, 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 some of you've heard know this one already. Yogi Berra, former Yankees catcher and uh, then manager, known for having some crazy quotes. One of them he's known for, he says, 
Baseball is 90% mental. And the other half is physical. <laughs> Just laugh now and ask somebody later. They'll, give, they'll help you. I, I I I caught just a few moments of the Orioles game today, first game today, and and uh, Richie Van Sells. I didn't. I somehow I missed this. The longtime trainer for the Orioles. I guess he retired, and he threw out the first pitch today. And the broadcasters were talking, and they were making the point that he he as a trainer, he wasn't. It wasn't just the physical. It wasn't just about physical training. It was about psychological. There, there's a there's a there's a couple of situations like this, but one of them is one of them is kind of the most well known one if you follow it at all. Is is a guy by the name of Rick Ann Keel. He was drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals as a high pitching prospect. He was drafted by the Cardinals. He was brought up to the major leagues, and within just a couple of years. He was he was a dominant pitcher from the time he was started. He had I mean they were already talking Hall of Famer. He was he started I think it was the 2000 or 2001 if I'm not mistaken National League one of the the division series in the National League playoffs. He was the starting pitcher for the first game of that series. At some point in that, I forget what part of the game, but at some point into that game, in one inning, I know some of y'all don't know all these terms, but in one inning, he threw five wild pitches. A wild pitch is when the pitcher throws the ball to the catcher, but it's so bad he can't get it. There's, uh, There's another thing called a pass ball, and that's on the catcher. That means he should have stopped it, but he didn't. A wild pitch means the pitcher messed up. And, I mean, it wasn't just like little. They they were like sailing over him five times. Some pitchers only do that once or twice in a whole season. And he did it five times in one inning. And was never the same. Had spent all his life preparing and training to be that, drafted. Here he is on one of the biggest stages of Major League Baseball, playoffs, and completely loses it and never got it back. It's kind of a neat story in the sense that he quit pitching and became an outfielder and actually played years as an outfielder, but never got it back. Nothing, nothing physically changed. Nothing physically changed. Something happened up here. Our, our, our professional golf teacher's not here tonight, so I feel a little more free talking without. It's a little intimidating when you talk with somebody that really knows their stuff here. If I took, let, let me finish my story before you think I'm cocky and proud. If I took you tomorrow afternoon, a couple miles up the street, to Severna Park Driving Range. If you don't know what a driving range is, it's not where you like get out in your car and just ride all over. That's where you 
golfer practices. If I took you up there tomorrow afternoon and you sat there and watched me hit golf balls, I guarantee you, if you give me a few minutes to get loose, in a few minutes, you will be fairly impressed with me. You know anything about golf. We went last year when we were, I think it was when we were in England for Patrick Hemus's wedding. Yes, it was for Patrick Hemus's wedding. Brother Stu Mott and I and Brother Hemus went to the driving range. And Brother Mott and I were like next to each other and, 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 and hitting. And, and uh, Brother Phil, Brother Hemus was with us and he wasn't going to. Actually, hopefully, he, he, he watches every now and then. Hopefully he's not watching. Because he was going to hit balls too and he got like two balls into it. And he was like. He couldn't move for the rest of the day, tweaked his back, which he had already been having problems in his defense. But Brother Mott and I were, 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 were right next to each other, each hitting from our, our mat, hit off of a mat most of the time. He's like, man, you guys, you guys are, you, you guys, same spot every time. You guys are amazing. That's, wow. He kept going on and on and on. In the back of my head, I'm thinking, yeah, that's, that's here. That's right now. Because out here, it doesn't matter. Wide open. The very next day, we actually went and played. Fortunately, Brother Hemus wasn't with us. All he knows is what he saw of me on the driving range. What he didn't see was me standing there on the tee as I hit the ball off in the woods or hit it over in the water or messed this shot up, that shot up. Same clubs, same person. Same, same everything, except up here, changes. I've preached this. I'm, I'm quitting. I'm trying to quit. I've preached this many times. I'll probably preach it many more times. Psalm 73. My steps had well nigh slipped. I looked at the prosperity of the wicked, and it was too much for me. I almost gave up. Until I got in the sanctuary. Nothing, no circus. The same things that caused him to almost slip did not change. Somebody listen to me. I Honestly, I'm almost done. I know I've been going a while. Not one single circumstance changed. What changed was, he says, I got in the presence of God. And I understood their end. My thinking changed. I saw things differently. I saw things more clearly. I realize from one perspective, some of you sitting here tonight feel like, and I understand where you're coming from, that the only solution in your circumstances is for the circumstances to change. But I've got plenty of Bible to tell you The circumstances may not change, and that doesn't have to be the only solution. If you can change your thoughts and take captive what arises against the knowledge of God. Those thoughts will lead to change. I said it. At the beginning, again, some of y'all don't really, fortunately, you, your, your perspective on some things is such, you don't, probably don't understand what I mean when I say some things like I did at the beginning, and you're, you're blessed. 
some of you know the, the the word journey. I mean, it's it's like been the buzzword for years now. For so I I I, I really don't want to lose use that word, but I, I that's really the best way I can feel to say it. I I, I want. I don't know about you. I don't, I don't know that you ever if we ever can reach it and be absolutely done with it and got it down because we're always growing and learning. But I have to believe there's a place that we can get to where we are not constantly riding this roller coaster. Faith on Sunday, confidence when God is moving and the Holy Ghost is working in a service, but wake up on Monday morning and I, I, ever how long the Lord allows me to go on this, I may not say anything all that different or new the next couple of weeks. Because <laughs> again, part of the bottom line of it is we have got to become proactive in deciding you are not running rampant up here anymore. You are not at liberty to run all over in my head for as long. I'm going to chase you down. I'm going to take you down. I'm going to cast you down. And I'm going to replace you with the right thoughts, with the right principles, not just positive mental assent, but the principles of the Word of God, confidence and faith in the Word of God. The greatest successes in our world and whatever arena you want to talk about them in, none of them got there without failure. But most of them at some point learned how to deal with their failures and the disappointments. I wonder how many people could have been just as great throughout history if they had made up their minds when they hit some obstacles or disappointments or frustration to have not given up. I'm reading a book right now and it keeps referencing certain individuals and some historical references, others business people kind of using them as examples. And I was reading, I think, yesterday and one of the ones it just used was Abraham Lincoln. That guy had no right to expect to become the President of the United States. (laughs) The circumstances in his life were such, he had absolutely no reason to anticipate becoming the President of the United States. Maybe it wasn't necessarily in the most scripturally spiritual context, but apparently what he knew how to do was take captive thoughts. And not let disappointment and failure and mistakes become at home in his mind to produce one thought after the other. But he knew how to take it it captive. I got a question. If he, from a human perspective, was able to do that, how much more should you and I with the Spirit of God dwelling in us, how much more should we be able to do that?
Father, I pray that you would help us tonight. God, I presume that I am not alone in this place tonight and oftentimes riding the roller coaster of my thoughts. Thoughts of faith and confidence one day, one moment. Thoughts of fear and doubt the next. Lord, you instructed us in your word that we are to take down those strongholds, those thoughts, those ideas, those concepts that arise against you to take captive those thoughts that are contrary to you. I pray, God, that you would deliver us from a victim mentality that causes us to just feel like we have no ability or no control over what takes place in our minds. Not only have you instructed us on what to do, God, but you have also empowered us by your Spirit to be able to do it. In the name of Jesus, I pray tonight, Father, for my brothers and sisters that are in this place. God, that are going through the struggles and the battles in their own mind, that 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 gatekeeper would become active, God. That we would become on guard, consciously aware of what we allow in. Consciously aware of those thoughts that would like to get in but don't belong. We would guard our hearts. In the name of Jesus Christ, help us, God, to have right thinking. Help us to bring our thoughts in alignment with you, in alignment with your word, that they can produce the proper outcomes, the desirable outcomes, God, the desirable outcomes that you have for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you again for being here tonight. Hope to see most of you Sunday morning.